all you have. You are now tuned in to Hawkins Rays. We just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darnetta has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, Star Wars fans? How is everybody doing? I hope everybody's doing well. I'm still trying to fight this flu off. I remember when I was younger and I'd get the flu, it would last like three days. Then it would just go away. Now this new flu, it lasts like a month. It's like someone gave the flu steroids or something. It just sucks for anyone to be sick this long. And of course, this must happen the week of Valentine's Day. For the longest time, I would not celebrate the day of love. I would always do it a couple days before or a couple days after. That way, it would be a surprise. But I told my wife since we moved to a new state, I would celebrate the holidays, all the major holidays. You know, new place, new beginning. But it's hard to get romantic when you are coughing up a lung. Okay, that's enough about me and my situation and all that stuff. We still got the quote for this episode and chapter four of this book that we need to get through. Today's quote comes from a person that inspired the whole world. Against all odds, she made things happen. This quote comes from the great Helen Keller. She said, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with by the heart. Okay, I want you to think about that for a moment. As Star Wars fans, we could probably relate to this more than anything else. We watch the movies, listen and read the books. Even though we know that the stories aren't real, we still love them like they are real. Our lives have forever been changed by the influence of Star Wars. Now, I know that's not the same as Helen. You know, she was blind and deaf, so she could not watch or listen to the movies. But the principle that she states in this quote is about believing with your heart, not with your senses. And Star Wars fans do that the most. It is a part of our lives. We eat, sleep, and think Star Wars. And that's just the way that we are. The whole point of this show is to get more Star Wars to people. It has given us over its way a purpose in our lives. It helps someone like me wake up every day. I look forward to Star Wars every day. And I'm looking forward to chapter four of this book. So without wasting any more time, let's get to it. Located in a remote system far from any major hyperspace lanes, Halion was a small and insignificant planet among the dozens of worlds dominated by the Sith Empire. Its only remarkable features were the seven small natural satellites that orbited the world, just barely large enough to be considered moons. On this evening, four of them were waxing full, their combined glow illuminating the darkness enough for Scourge to clearly make out the details of Uxial droid manufacturing plant's exterior, even without his night goggles. Your blueprints didn't show a security fence, he whispered. He and Setchel were huddled in a small copse of trees on the edge of a field, roughly twenty meters from the plant. Maybe it's new, Setchel replied, also speaking softly. Shouldn't be a problem, though. Once you're on the other side, you can just open the gate and let me in. Scourge had noticed a remarkable change in Setchel during the mission. The sniveling bootlick that had greeted him at the spaceport on Dromund Koss was gone, replaced by someone who was intelligent and self-confident. Obviously, the personality he had displayed on their first meeting had been a ruse, a cover he used to hide his true nature from outsiders. He was still probably useless in an actual fight, but Scourge was beginning to understand how he had risen to such a prominent position in Nyrus's household. He had compensated for his lack of the Force by developing his mental skills, and apparently Setchel had enjoyed a very successful career with Imperial Intelligence before becoming Nyrus's chief advisor. If they've got auto guns on the roof, we'll be dead before we get anywhere near that maintenance door, Scourge growled. It's a manufacturing plant, not a fortress, Setchel assured him. Most of the security is electronic. You know, stuff I can slice. 
The worst you'll have to deal with is a couple of roving security droids. Patrol drones or assault droids? Patrol drones? UDM doesn't manufacture assault droids. Too expensive for a small company like this. After a short pause, Satchel added, Are you always this skittish on the job? Only fools charge ahead without knowing what lies in wait, Scourge answered through gritted teeth. It was more than the other's insolence that grated on him. Setchell's question had struck a nerve. There was something about this job that made Scourge uneasy. Part of it was being forced to work with a partner. Normally he worked alone. Yet there was more to his unease than the presence of the Sith crouched beside him. It wasn't anything he could put his finger on, but something felt off. It made him hesitant, more cautious than usual. You're sure the entrance code will work? It's not going to set off some kind of alarm? He asked, trying to think of anything that could possibly go wrong. I can handle a few patrol drones, but if a dozen of them come down on us all at once, we're in trouble. The code will work, Satchel promised. This is a simple job. He was right. This was a simple job and Scourge was forced to admit that maybe the problem wasn't the mission. Taking things for granted is a good way to get yourself killed, Scourge told him as he stood up, trying to justify his behavior, even as he struggled to push away the self-doubt creeping through the corners of his mind. He made a final check of his equipment and armor, then slid his night goggles into place. The world took on an eerie green glow as the illumination from the moons above was enhanced tenfold. He drew his lightsaber, but didn't ignite it. According to the blueprints they'd gone over, there weren't supposed to be any cams. But there wasn't supposed to be a fence, either. Meet me at the gate, Scourge said, not bothering to wait for a reply. He broke from his cover, sprinting toward the three-meter-high security fence. Building speed with a dozen quick steps, he launched himself into the air, his cape billowing out behind him. He cleared the fence by only a few centimeters, close enough that he could feel a tingle in the soles of his boots from the lethal current coursing through it. At the apex of his leap, he hung suspended in the air for just an instant. Then gravity reasserted its hold, and he plummeted to the ground. He landed in a three-point stance, using his free hand to help absorb the impact. He turned his head quickly from side to side, looking to see if there was any reaction to his sudden arrival. Fortunately, his entrance had gone unnoticed. Crouched low to the ground, he ran along the perimeter of the fence, heading to the gate he and Setchel had spotted earlier. As he approached, he noticed a single droid posted as a guard. It was conical in shape, a little more than a meter tall, and a half a meter wide at its base. It hovered a meter off the ground, and three long, thin legs dangled below it, each ending in a tri-fingered claw. A ring of lights encircled the main body two-thirds of the way up, blinking in some indefinable pattern. Scourge's night vision goggles distorted all colors to varying shades of green, but he could clearly make out a two-tone pattern on the droid's hull. Probably gray and orange. You could see all droid manufacturing's corporate colors. It was clearly a patrol drone, just as Setchel had promised. Assault droids were much larger, at least twice the size, and were usually designed as two-legged walking units. They were covered in thick plate armor, intended to have heavy blaster cannons mounted on their exterior, neither of which the floating sentry possessed. The patrol drone's sensors were focused on the gate, not on the Sith warrior bearing down on it from behind. 
Once he closed to within ten meters, Scourge ignited his lightsaber and launched it with a quick flick of the wrist. The spinning blade easily sliced through the unreinforced plate of the droid's hull and into its control circuit, sending up a shower of sparks before returning to Scourge's hand. The hovering drone dropped to the ground, its repulsors rendered non-functional. Two of its three legs were pinned beneath the conical body. The third jutted out at a strange angle, mangled by the fall. The row of blinking lights flashed erratically, internal sensors overwhelmed by the catastrophic damage. But still the droid managed an awkward spin that brought it face to face with the intruder. A panel on its hull slid open, and Scourge could just make out the circular tip of a small internal blaster, taking aim as he closed in for the final blow. The droid fired, but its targeting systems were no longer operational, and the bolt flew high and wide. Scourge was on it before it had a chance to try again. His boot delivered a heavy kick, toppling the droid helplessly onto its side. Two quick chops from his lightsaber finished the job, and the row of flickering lights went dark. Scourge was breathing hard from the exertion. Defeating a droid never gave him the same rush as killing a flesh-and-blood foe, but he could still feel the adrenaline pumping through his veins, washing away his earlier unease about the mission. With the sentry dispatched, he was able to focus on the control panel beside the gate, though he kept his lightsaber drawn and ready just in case. Fortunately, it was a standard layout, and he was able to cut the power to the fence and open the gate with a few simple button pushes. Setchel was already waiting for him on the other side. He glanced down at the disabled patrol drone as he passed through the gate, and gave Scourge a look that seemed to say, I told you so. Scourge ignored him, and he headed for the maintenance door. Setchel scrambled after him. The small maintenance door was made of a heavily reinforced durasteel. Scourge doubted that even his lightsaber would be able to penetrate it. Hopefully, he wouldn't have to try. Setchel stepped up to the security pad beside the door and entered a long series of numbers. Scourge stood watch in case any more patrol drones appeared. After a few tense seconds, there was a soft beep from the security pad and the door slid open. See, Setchel said. No alarms, no assault droids, nothing to worry about. We're not done yet, Scourge replied, shouldering past him and into the manufacturing plant. They found themselves standing in a narrow, dimly lit corridor. If the blueprints they had were accurate, it should lead them into the plant from the rear. From there, they would have to cross the production floor to the records office, where Setchel would slice into the plant's network to find out who had paid UDM to manufacture the custom-built droid that had tried and failed to kill Nyrus. Stay close, Scourge instructed Setchel as he removed his night vision goggles with his free hand and clipped them to his belt. If we run into trouble, hide in a corner and try not to get shot. That's what I do best, Setchel assured him. Scourge set off down the hall, Setchel following a few steps behind. It continued straight for about thirty meters, then made a sharp left turn that terminated in a closed door. Unlike the door that had given them access to the plant, this one didn't appear to be reinforced or locked. From the other side, Scourge could clearly hear the deep, rhythmic thud of heavy machinery churning away. He pressed the access panel on the wall, his muscles instinctively coiling as he dropped into a fighting crouch. So this chapter starts off with Central and Scourge going to the planet Halion to check out a droid plant called UDM to find out who paid for the droid that tried to kill Nyrus. Scourge noticed a complete change in Central. He is no longer the whining wimp that he mad met a few days prior. 
he is more cunning than before and a lot more confident. And Scourge starts to think that he might have been part of like the Empire's intelligence at one time or something like that. As they approach the droid factory, Scourge points out that there's a fence that was not in the original briefing. Central questions Scourge's courage and Scourge reminds Central that running into somewhere blind can get you killed. But Scourge is acting a little bit skittish and having some self-doubt. But after jumping over the fence, he destroys the droid and opens the gate and lets Setro in. Setro gives him an I told you so look, kind of, you know, like I told you so. They get into the plant and Scourge tells Setro that if anything cracks off, hide and don't get killed. It seems to me that these two guys just don't like each other very much. Since they have arrived on this planet, they have been back and forth with each other. I think Setro thinks that Nyrus will protect her from Scourge. And she might, but you know, hey, Scourge is still a Sith Lord, man. She, he got to show more respect than that. I think that he is just pushing his luck a little bit too much. They sound like some school kids bickering back and forth on the playground. But let's see what's going to happen next. The door slid open to reveal the plant's main production floor, and a wave of intense heat smacked him in the face, momentarily taking his breath away. But he relaxed a second later, when he realized there was no ambush waiting for them on the other side. The manufacturing floor was massive, at least 100 meters across and easily twice as long. Numerous doors and passages lined each wall. Dozens of exits, all leading to different areas of the plant. A network of metal catwalks and stairwells crisscrossed the room. In the center was the source of the intense heat. Four enormous vats of molten metal, each 10 meters tall and 20 meters in diameter. Half a dozen long conveyor belts extended from the vats to run the entire length of the manufacturing floor each covered with thousands of individual parts and pieces waiting to be assembled into functional droids. The giant engines powering the belts crashed and churned, drowning out all the other sound. Hundreds of bipedal assembly droids lined the conveyor belts, but Scourge knew they didn't present any type of threat. Assembly droids were severely limited in their programming, incapable of performing anything other than the simplest jobs. Unlike the patrol drone he dispatched earlier, these would ignore his presence and continue working at their assigned tasks. Apart from the assembly droids, there didn't appear to be anyone around. The plant's flesh and blood supervisors would have left for the night long before. Reaching out with a force, he could sense no other living beings in the vicinity. Well, Setchel asked, trying to peer past Scourge's massive frame to get a better view of what lay beyond the door. Even though Setchel was right behind him, it was almost impossible to hear his voice over the conveyor belt's pounding engines. Scourge signaled all clear and stepped through. The records office was located in the southwest corner of the plant, adjacent to the manufacturing floor. It'd have to cross nearly the entire length of the room to get there, and Scourge was perspiring heavily under his armor after only a few seconds. The heat was oppressive. The air almost seemed to stick in his throat. The deafening clang of the engines was relentless. He cast a glance back at his companion. Even though Setchel wasn't wearing armor, he was lagging well behind. Clearly, a life of upper-class luxury had left him thoroughly unprepared for the physical demands of the manufacturing floor's unexpectedly harsh environment. But he struggled gamely onward, wheezing with every labored step. The entrance to the records office turned out to be locked. Hurry up and get us inside, Scourge shouted. He wanted to get the information and get out. More important at the moment, he knew the office would probably be climate-controlled. Too weary to nod, Setchel leaned against the wall and punched in the security code. The door didn't open. Try again, 
Scourge pressed, thinking that in his weakened state, Setchel might have hit a wrong key. Be careful this time. With painstaking precision, Setchel tapped out the code a second time. The roar of the engines drowned out any sound, but Scourge could see the control panel turn red. The words, Access Denied, flashed on the display. Setchel's mouth moved in an inaudible curse, and he tried for a third time. But Scourge already knew it was hopeless. The door required a different code than the one they had used to get past the exterior entrance. Scourge raised his lightsaber and yanked Setchel out of the way. He heard the man shouting, but couldn't make out the words. Gripping the hilt of his lightsaber with both hands, he brought the blade crashing down on the panel, splitting it in two and carving a long, deep furrow in the wall behind it. The door sprang open. And suddenly, Scourge's eardrums were nearly shattered by a long, whooping siren. He grabbed Setchel by the collar and tossed him into the room, silently cursing himself for making such a foolish mistake. Slice into the network and get what you need. I'll hold off the security. Setchel didn't waste time with an answer. He began frantically typing at one of the terminals. Scourge could feel the cool air spilling out of the records office and washing over him. He allowed himself a few seconds to bask in his luxury, then turned to face the inevitable enemy onslaught, determined not to make any more missteps. Two hovering patrol drones, similar to the one he had dispatched earlier, were the first to arrive on the scene, swooping down to the floor level from one of the catwalks near the eastern wall. Scourge charged, moving with the supernatural speed of the force. The drones opened fire, but Scourge never changed course, relying on his armor to absorb their blaster bolts. One of the bolts narrowly missed his ear. Two more slammed into his chest. He felt the impact. It wasn't enough even to knock him off stride. He dropped into a forward somersault as the droids unleashed a second volley. Knowing they would be targeting his exposed face and head, the bolts flew harmlessly over him as he tucked, rolled, and then came back up on his feet, finally close enough to retaliate. The patrol drones were not made for close combat. A series of vicious cuts with his lightsaber put a quick end to the encounter. The droids fell to the ground in a shower of sparks, their spindly legs twitching for a few seconds before they shut down completely. Scourge turned his attention to the next two patrol drones. He dispatched the first by hurling his lightsaber at it, knocking it from the air with a single well-placed throw before it even got close enough to use its internally mounted blaster. The second took evasive action, dropping down behind the conveyor belt and a line of assembly droids. It skimmed along the ground, closing the gap until it popped up from behind its cover so it could fire at point-blank range. Scourge made sure it never got the chance. Reaching out to grab the drone with the invisible hand of the Force, he slammed it back down to the ground. Its legs snapped off and went flying. Its exterior hull cracked in multiple places. Several of the welded plates tore loose. All the lights on its body went dim. The alarm sirens were still howling. It wouldn't be long before security droids stationed in other sections of the plant showed up. If the droids kept arriving in small groups of two or even three, Scourge knew he could hold off several more waves at least. If they arrived in greater numbers, he was going to have a problem. He was breathing heavily. The sweat so thick on his red skin, he felt as if he had been swimming in the ocean. The force had sustained him so far, protecting him from the worst of the heat and allowing him to move faster than his enemies could react. But he could draw on it for only so long before exhaustion set in. Already he could feel himself tiring. Setchel had to locate the information soon, or they'd have to retreat empty-handed. He saw three patrol drones enter from one of the passages at the north end of the manufacturing plant. Two more were moving in from the east. 
grimacing. Scourge tightened his grip on his lightsaber and prepared to do battle yet again. Instead of closing in on him, however, the droids kept their distance. The reason for their puzzling behavior became clear a moment later. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. When a massive assault droid lumbered into view. Like the patrol drones, it had the gray and orange finish common to all UDN models. But that was where the similarities ended. Three meters tall and covered in thick armor plating, the security droid walked on a pair of hinged metal legs, each as thick around as Scourge's waist. Its armless body was thick and wide, two meters on every side, topped by a pair of heavy blaster cannons instead of a head. The droid broke into a run toward him, moving fast despite its bulk. At the same time, it opened fire with both cannons. Scourge leapt for cover behind the nearest conveyor belt, unwilling to trust his armor against such overwhelming firepower. The security droid didn't let up. The bolts ripped into the conveyor belt, and the hapless assembly droids lined up along it. Crouched low, Scourge ran back toward a nearby stairwell leading up to the narrow catwalks, then ran above the manufacturing floor. A shower of twisted, scorched metal rained down on his back, bits and pieces of those assembly droids unfortunate enough to get in the way of the cannon fire. From the corner of his eye, he saw the patrol drone swooping in to join the fray. Because of the engines and sirens, he couldn't hear the assault droid coming after him, but he could feel its heavy footsteps vibrating the floor. Reaching the stairwell, he took the steps three at a time. The assault droid continued to fire, but it wasn't designed to take out aerial targets. Its bulky armor plating limited its vertical range of motion, and from the floor, it couldn't get the proper angle for a clear shot toward the ceiling. Its bolts ricocheted off the reinforced metal of the catwalk safety rails and floor, but none even came close to its intended target. Scourge's elevated position on the catwalk didn't help against the patrol drones, however. Their repulsors allowed them to rise up to the level of the catwalks with ease. With the five hovering patrol drones closing in on him, Scourge raced toward the vats of molten metal in the center of the room. The catwalk he was on passed right beside the nearest vat. As he drew closer, the heat became almost unbearable. He felt his skin blistering, but he ignored the pain and continued onward. The droids were rapidly closing in. Two of them swooped in from the side, trying to cut him off. Their path took them directly over the vat, and Scourge seized the opportunity. Drawing on his rapidly dwindling reserves, he used the force to knock one of the drones off course, sending it careening sideways into its partner. The mid-air collision wasn't hard enough to inflict any direct damage, but it caused both to spin out of control. Unable to right themselves in time, they tumbled down into the vat, where the bubbling molten metal closed over them. The three remaining patrol drones altered their course to steer clear of the vats, confirming Scourge's fear that the trick would only work once. They opened fire, but their target suddenly reversed his direction to race back along the catwalk toward the assault droid on the floor below. 
One of the bolts struck Scourge squarely between the shoulder blades, but luckily it didn't penetrate his armor. The assault droid continued to fire ineffectually at Scourge from below as he charged at it. He closed the gap until he was directly above it, then grabbed the catwalk safety rail and vaulted over the side. He landed directly on the square flat top of the assault droid and chopped down with his lightsaber. The blade bit deep into the droid's armor plating, but failed to reach any of the internal circuitry. The droid shook angrily from side to side, and Scourge was thrown off. Rolling to absorb the landing, he scrambled to his feet and circled behind the droid. He knew his only chance was to stay on its blind side, so it wouldn't be able to bring its blaster cannons to bear. He slashed at the armor-plated body twice more. The first blow left a scorched furrow. The second, delivered in precisely the same location, went all the way through. The assault droid reacted with a shudder, momentarily listing to one side. But before Scourge could follow up with another attack, it kicked out with one of its massive legs, catching him in the chest and sending him crashing to the ground. A sharp pain shot up from his side, and he knew at least one of his ribs had been cracked. The assault droid was slowly, jerkily turning to face him. The three remaining patrol drones were once again bearing down on him, close enough to open fire. Scourge scrambled forward on his hands and knees. The assault droid was tall enough for him to crawl under its legs and take shelter under its body. The blaster bolts from the patrol drones ricocheted ineffectually off the larger droid's armor plating. The assault droid returned fire, its programming instinctively identifying anyone firing at it as a hostile threat. Its blaster cannons tore through the patrol drones, reducing all three to scrap. At the same time, Scourge drove his lightsaber up into the assault droid from below. To save costs and improve mobility, the underside of the droid wasn't equipped with the heavy armor plating that protected the rest of its exterior, and the blade went deep. Scourge stabbed the vulnerable underbelly twice more before rolling clear and springing back to his feet. Staggering, the droid tried to turn to face him. It was leaking thick black lubricant from where Scourge had sliced it open, the liquid forming a rapidly spreading pool beneath its feet. A muffled explosion came from somewhere inside the droid, and a wisp of smoke curled out. Its legs sagged, and it slowly toppled forward, then lay still. Scourge didn't have time to savor his victory. A swarm of patrol drones poured into the room, emerging alone or in pairs from passages on both the north and south walls. At the same time, two more assault droids marched into view, and the Sith Lord's spirits sank. There was no shame in fleeing a battle that couldn't be won. Only a fool continued to fight against impossible odds. Yet even if he were willing to risk Nyrus's wrath by abandoning Setchel, Scourge doubted escape would be possible. There were too many droids, and he was nearing the point of total exhaustion. With a grim smile, he raised his lightsaber, prepared to inflict as much damage as possible before he died. And then suddenly, everything went dark. Scourge fumbled for his night goggles, knowing the illumination from his lightsaber wouldn't be enough to fight by. He yanked them from his belt and slid them into place, then stood stock still, stunned by what he was seeing. None of the droids had taken the opportunity to advance on him. The assault droids hadn't moved. The patrol drones had all fallen to the ground. Only then did he register the fact that it wasn't just dark. It was silent. The deafening engines had ground to a halt. The conveyor belts were quiet. And even the assembly droids seemed to be frozen in place. He punched the comlink on his wrist. Setchel, are you there? You're still alive? Setchel asked. He sounded surprised, but before Scourge could ponder that, he swiftly added, 
Good. I was afraid you wouldn't make it. What just happened? I copied the files I needed from the records office. Then I sliced into the power grid and used the emergency override to shut everything down. Figured you could use the help. I could have handled it if it wasn't for the assault droids, Scourge said, making no effort to hide the accusation. Assault droids? Really? Must be a new prototype UDM is working on. Where are you now? Still near the records office. Stay there. I'll come get you. I don't think we have time for that. What are you talking about? You know those big vats? They use trivium generators to melt the metal. Shutting down the power grid destabilized the reactor cores. How long before they blow? Not long enough to keep discussing it. Scourge took a hint. Forcing his weary legs into a run, he raced across the pitch-black manufacturing floor. His broken ribs made it almost impossible to catch his breath, and his thighs and calves were on fire. He caught up to Settle halfway down the maintenance corridor they'd used to enter the building. He didn't say anything as he ran, conserving what little breath he had for a final push to get clear of the blast radius. He burst through the maintenance door and into the cool night air, Setchel only a few steps behind him. Jumping the security fence wasn't an option in his current state, so he headed for the gate he'd unlocked for Setchel at the start of the mission. He was slowing down, the weight of his armor sapping the last of his strength. He drew on the force to give himself a last burst of speed. Setchel caught up with him a few steps before the gate. The blast wave caught them an instant later. Fortunately, most of the explosion was contained within the plant, preventing them from being pulverized by the concussive force. As it was, they were swept off their feet and sent tumbling through the security gate by a wall of air, sound, and shards of glass. Scourge hit the ground, rolled onto his stomach, and instinctively covered the back of his head as debris rained down around them. He lay there for about 30 seconds, dazed, ears still ringing. He forced himself to his feet, triggering a coughing fit. The broken ribs made it feel like his chest was being stabbed as he hacked up blood-flecked phlegm. The back of his head and neck were also bleeding. Flying glass had cut him in at least a dozen places, though his armor had shielded most of his body. Confident that none of his injuries was life-threatening, he turned his attention to his companion. Setra lay face down on the ground beside him, not moving. He hadn't been wearing any armor, and his back was a bloody mess. Though the glass shards had shredded his clothes and his flesh beneath, all of the wounds looked superficial. Scourge prodded him with his foot until he finally responded with a groan. Get up, Scourge wheezed. <coughs> I'm too weak to carry you. Setchel did as ordered, and the pair of them limped back through the forest toward their waiting shuttle. Behind them, the UDM plant burned. So as they enter the plant, they quickly realize it is loud and hot, very hot. Setchel's having a hard time keeping up. His life of luxury has made him kind of a punk. I can't see the look on Scourge's face, but I can kind of picture it in my head. And he is just hating this dude more and more. As they get to the records office, Setchel's code doesn't work. Scourge gets frustrated and slashes the keypad and the door open. Then the alarm went off and Scourge knew that he had messed up. So that's why they say a calm mind thinks clear. When you allow your actions to be controlled by your emotions, you will always get into trouble. So Central runs into the office and starts gathering the info that they came from. And you know what happens next. Here comes the security droids. They come in waves of two or three and it just starts, everything starts going to hell. And then the assault droids come. 
I think if I was Scourge, I would slap Central as hard as I could. When we got out of there, I would just smack the crap out of him. That's just me. But the assault droids came, started messing Scourge up. And right at the point that he was going to give up and just say, screw it, I'm just going to take him out. And if I get killed, I get killed. Central turns off everything in the plant, including the containment field. So now that's about to explode. They take off running and just beyond the point of the gate that they come through the fence, it blows and glass and metal just tear through Central's back. Scourge is wearing armor, so he's cool and he doesn't get too much glass and metal in him, but he's still messed up by the assault droids. And he tells Central to get up and walk because he's too weak to carry him. Now, this is something that I was wondering. You know how Jedi can use the force to heal themselves? Can Sith do the same thing? I ain't never remember reading or hearing about any time where the Sith healed themselves. What do you guys think about Sith force abilities? Email me with your thoughts. And I think that's it for today. If you want to know what happens next, you'll have to tune into the next episode. But until then, remember, keep your eyes on the sky. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.